Can you hear me? Yes. Good evening. How are you? I want to welcome you to the first of our two-part summer series here at Vineyard. And I was sitting here thinking that as women, we haven't gathered in a really long time. And so I'm really excited that we're all here together. And I love when we come and we worship together because I don't think, um, I don't think anyone worships like you vineyard ladies when you come together. And I just love how you press in and just seek the Lord. And so I hope we can continue doing that tonight. So my name is Vicki. And um, I get to um, just share some announcements tonight. And the first thing we're going to start off doing is a giveaway basket with lots of little goodies in it. So, and the person who's going to take that basket home is going to be the lady who has the most apps on her iPhone or her smartphone. And if you don't know what that means, I'm sorry to tell you, you're not going to win the basket tonight. And that's okay because we love you and God has even more to give away to you tonight than a basket of goodies. So if you can pull out your phones, and when you do, by the way, it would be a great time to silence your phone because I always forget to silence mine, and count your apps on your phone. But remember, I know at least on my iPhone, when I slide to the next page, those four bottom apps stay there. They don't change, so don't double count those or triple count those because I did that the first time. So count your apps. Just give you a second to do that. Okay, so hopefully you're done counting. Um, does anyone, just by raising your hands, does anyone have at least 30? Okay, 35. 40. 50. 55. <laughs> Keep counting. <laughs> 60. 70. Oh my goodness. 80? Okay, you guys, whoever, all of you need what we're going to give away tonight, because I bet you got a lot of weeds in your gardens if you're on all these apps all the time. 90? Over 100. Are you kidding me? Okay, 110? 120? 150? Can anyone beat 150? Oh my goodness, Jill. And she's working, she works. She's married and she has a young daughter and son who keep her very busy. So this is going to go to Jill. And this, this basket is full of lots of gardening tools. You can clean those weeds out. And there's a Starbucks gift card, so enjoy. <laughs> well, I wanted to share tonight and just remind you to put on your calendar that this is um, the first of a two-part series, as I said. So the second series will be on August 20th. The series is called Be Still and Know. So um, on the 20th of August, Pam Lozano, who led worship tonight, she will be sharing uh, the second part of this series. And then also, um, for those who either attend this church or you're visiting or you just came with uh, a friend that you know the church here tonight, if you are not involved in a small group, I cannot emphasize enough how important small groups are in any church and in here. Um, it's a way to just really get connected to the church and build friendships. Um, if you are not in a small group, as you exit tonight on this back wall here, right between the doors, we have a small group card wall, and I just really um, encourage you to take a look at that. 
Also, we have a lot of women's groups. We also have small groups that are mixed with um, singles. Um, they also have married couples, men, women, just a combination. There is a group for everyone here. So could I ask, if you are a leader of either a women's group or a mixed small group, could you just stand? And everyone, take a look at these ladies. After we're done here tonight, we're going to have some time to talk and get to know each other better over some yummy snacks in the cafe. I just encourage you to go up and talk to them, ask about their small groups, and um, try out some small groups and just find one that will really work for you. Okay, so last, I get to introduce our speaker tonight. Um, her name is Heather Kamira, and um, she's just a lovely lady, and I'm really excited to have her here. As I mentioned, she's going to be speaking on being still before God. Um, Heather is not new to the vineyard movement. She's been at the vineyard for some time now. She was at Cooper Road before she came here for 10 years, and she's been here at her family for about a year and a half. Um, Heather's married to Adam. He was the electric guitar player. Uh, he's hiding out back there. <laughs> and they have a beautiful daughter named Eden, um, but she's native to this area. She is just a, a woman of great grace and humility. And that's what I love, I think, most about her, that you just see how much she loves God and how much she presses into him. And um, I just think that's really attractive uh, in so many ways. So if you would just give her a very warm welcome, and she will come up and share with us tonight. Thank you. Well, first off, before we get started tonight, we're going to do something fun, because everybody likes doing something fun. And uh, it's a chance for us to kind of get to know each other. And uh, it's a pretty familiar game, so there's no complicated rules. But we're going to have to have you get up. Not yet. And we're going to have to break out into like seven groups. And if they can be kind of equal amounts, that would be awesome. Uh, just so it's fair. And we're going to play the, uh, the age-old game of telephone tag. So it's really simple. Um, there's going to be a first person that starts, has a card, has a kind of nonsensical saying on it. And then you're going to have to whisper. You can only whisper once into the ear of the person next to you, so you might have to be in a circle. And then the last person in the row is going to have a pen and a piece of paper. And they go write down what they hear, and then we're going to get to read them off real quick. So um, I have a basket for the person who, the team member with the paper and the pen, who gets back to me first. You guys, your whole team gets a basket of goodies. So um, if you don't mind, uh, we're going to... Go, go ahead and get up, and uh, if we can have at least maybe three over here and four over here, um, I'll have my helpers pass these out. So one to each, and then one to each, yeah. I have a lovely basket of gum and breath mints. <laughs> which would have been nice to have beforehand. <laughs> Lori, you mind giving that to the group? Go ahead and pass them out, and uh, we can go on ahead and come back to our seats, and I'll read what we have. So the first one that won, thank you, was a bunch of yellow bananas skipped down the stairs. These are all great. And it says, I smell bananas skipping something. <laughs> That's great. Okay, this one says, the queen sat on her throne and ate thorny kumquats. 
whatever kumquats are. The queen sat on the ground eating compost. <laughs> that is awesome. Okay. Four out of 40 snowflakes will slide softly soon. Four out of four something. <laughs> okay. Okay. The funny bunny hid the colored candy in colored cans. The funny bunny had some colorful candies. That's pretty close. That's good. Uh, many contentious cats dance the polka in pajamas. Many contentious cats dance polka. That's pretty good. Okay, this one I don't have. Eight. Okay, this one. The goofy gophers sang silly songs while juggling. Kelly got lost. How does that? Okay. Well, and if you have any leftover gum, team, you can feel free to just keep passing it along. Um, share a piece with a friend. How about that? Okay, thanks for playing that with me. Okay, so last week, I was driving home from small group, and it was one of those days where it had rained all day. You know, one of those, right? It's been like a monsoon for like two weeks. And in the evening, though, it had just cleared, and it was beautiful. And I'm driving down 71, and I'm just like, oh, this is gorgeous. And there's this light that I have to stop at getting home that takes like forever long. So I'm taking the moment in and just looking at the sky, and something catches my eye. And I don't notice it at first, and then I look back, and I'm like, what? And there's this bird just hanging off like pretty close to my car, and it is flapping its wings like there's no tomorrow. And the weirdest part is that it's going nowhere. It's completely suspended in air. And it wasn't a hummingbird, because that's the only bird I know that can like, do that. But here it is, just freaking out and not going anywhere. And as I'm trying to like, mentally compute this phenomenon, <laughs> I am, in my spirit, realizing something is rising up in me, and I start getting emotional. Here I am, crying. I'm thinking, <laughs> You and me, bird. You and me. We know what it's like, don't we? And I'm just like talking to this bird, thinking, why am I talking to a bird? And yet, isn't it funny how God gets our attention sometimes? Because that's my life. It is. Internally, I am flapping away, and I'm getting nowhere fast. Now, right before that light turned green, that bird took a nosedive, like straight toward the ground. And right before it hit the ground, it just went and like flew off. And as I'm driving away, it hits me, not the bird, but the, uh, the thought of, you know what? As I was driving down 71, I could barely like keep on the road because of the wind. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's it. It was fighting the wind. That's why. It wasn't moving at all, and was freakishly flapping its wings. I'll just be real here for a moment, but I am still fighting against relying on my own strength in the headwind of all my busyness. Last month hit a record kind of crazy for me, <laughs> I'll just be honest. And Adam, my husband, he uh, so astutely asked me a couple nights ago if I thought it was funny that I was talking on stillness when I had had the kind of week and month that I had had. I just looked at him. I don't think it was very funny, but, but he's right. He's right. 
how sweet and timely this series is, because we're all busy, right? I mean, I don't know how about you, but it, I mean, we're all busy. We could all use this. Some of us bear our busyness with a frenzied kind of internal chaos, but some of us, and I envy you, carry your busyness with such grace, with such poise, with such peace amidst the storm. And for me, that's definitely not the case. I'm the one that's having these random cry fests at, at bird sightings. <clears throat> but beyond the strain of overcommitting and the lack of just time management skills, my soul is crying out for something more. And I believe it's the invitation of the Lord tonight, saying, be still. And know that I am God. This summer, as Vicki said, we're starting, uh, we're doing a two-part series around the verse from Psalm 4610, Be still and know that I am God. But when God says, be still, I want you to notice, it's not just a nice suggestion, is it? It's a directive. It's a command, a powerful command. He says, cease. <laughs> cease your striving. Hold tight just for a second. Like a child who's got something stuck in their eye and they think the world is over, God says, be still. I've got this. I've got you. Tonight, we're going to be looking at the prophet Elijah at one of the real low points in his life and how God really meets him there. Elijah's condition is unlike, it's very like our own. But as we see tonight, it's in the stillness that God's presence, of God's presence, that we hear his voice and our lives are changed. Let me say that again. It's in the stillness of God's presence that we hear his voice and our lives are changed. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just, we just ask for more. <laughs> you are so thick here, it's just a place of refuge for my soul, and I thank you. I pray you would come and that you would uh, illuminate my words, that they would speak to the hearts of, of the women here tonight, God, that, that these would be your words, God. Would you just soften our hearts to hear from you tonight? Would you quiet the craziness of our souls? Would you allow us to hear your still, small voice? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you'd like to open your Bibles or your apps <laughs> to 1 Kings 19, 1 through 18, um, or you can read along on the screens. <clears throat> this is a narrative, so I'm going to try to read it like one. <laughs> so 1 Kings 19 through 18. Get back, comfortable, it's a big chunk. Uh, now Ahab and Jezebel. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life, because when, and when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. 
take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Look around. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death by the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. <laughs> the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't even in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out, and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and, your, and put your prophets to death by the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Maloah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all of whose knees have not bowed to, the, to Baal, whose mouths have not kissed him. Now first, um, I want to give a little bit of backstory. I think context is key, which, especially when you have a story like this. Um, the prophets, like Elijah, were handpicked from the Lord, right? They heard the voice of God. When they're spiritual, they were spiritual guides to the Israelite people who were kind of in a world like our own with many gods and many religions. Um, their question, like honestly many of my friends that I even work with, is, which God? Which God should I choose? <clears throat> and we see in the previous chapter, Elijah is setting up a duel between Baal, the official God and religion of Israel at the time. Elijah sets up this contest, challenging prophets of Baal in front of thousands of people in the king. He's pretty much like, my God? Yeah, he can look at your God. <laughs> Meet me on the mountain and we're going to show you. And he does. He sets up two altars and then tells the prophets Baal to go ahead and pray to your gods and see if the fire will come down on your altar. And they pray, and nothing happens. And then Elijah has a trench dug around his altar, water poured all over it, and then he prays, and down comes the fire from heaven. 
And at first it, it burns up the sacrifice, and then it starts burning up the actual wood, and then it consumes the rocks, and they begin to disintegrate, and then everyone falls down prostrate and go, the Lord, he is God. So at the end of that chapter, in verse 46, it says, The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and he tucked in his cloak into his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. And that's important why. Elijah was a wanted man. So why would he intentionally go back to the capital of Israel? I think because he expected that now, after what everyone had seen, after all that had happened, they would turn back to the Lord God Almighty. That Ahab and Jezebel would repent, or the people would overthrow them. But either way, the Lord would once again become the faith of Israel. But instead, what we see at the beginning of this chapter is that Jezebel sends him a message basically saying, may I be dead by tomorrow if you're not, if I haven't killed you. An interesting strategy, by the way, I don't know why she didn't just send her guards right then and there to kill him. But then again, maybe she didn't want a martyr on her hands. So she sends him an empty threat and swears by an empty God. And what do we see Elijah do? He laughs in her face. No. He runs for his life. And why? Sure, he's scared. I mean, she has a whole army at her command. But again, fear didn't seem to, put, to, seem to at all affect him before. Why now? When life does not turn out the way we thought it would, when our hope is in our plans and it doesn't happen, it's so true that we can become disillusioned. We can get really confused. We feel like failures. We start to question everything because the rock that we were standing on just turned out to be sinking sand. Elijah had some seriously high hopes on a literal mountaintop experience, right? I mean, who wouldn't after seeing that? But his hopes were pinned to an ideal. They were pinned to how it would work out in the end. And when they didn't, he hit the ground running for his life. So we see Elijah's condition and it's that he's afraid, he's disillusioned. And lastly, we see that he is alone, emotional, tired, and hungry. Verse 3, it says, When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, so he went off alone, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush and sat under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. I mean, he has hit his limit, right? He spent. And I'm sure you've heard this, but a lot of therapists use this acronym, um, HALT, H-A-L-T, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired as a tool for just like self-assessment and like self-care. Um, I like to call it HELP because I'm usually hungry, emotional, lonely, and probably already passed out somewhere. <laughs> hmm. Usually, I find that I get to that place. I get to that place where I've really just hit my limit, when I haven't spent time, spent time with God, when I haven't been intentional about 
carving out time in my schedule for some dear sisters. When uh, I haven't eaten anything, <laughs> and uh, when I'm just overly sensitive. That's a key, that's a, that's a red flag for me to know that I'm hitting my limit, right? And Elijah has hit his. He even says in verse four, I have had enough, Lord, take my life. But what's interesting that even in his condition, in the end of his rope, he still pleads for the Lord to do it. He doesn't presume that he has the right to take his own life. And thankfully, his prayer wasn't answered, and it actually was never answered. Elijah was one of the few men in the Bible to actually never die. That was a sure no from the Lord. <laughs> so how does God meet him? And this is where I really want to spend a chunk of our time, because before we talk about the mechanics of how to be still and what to do, I mean, those things are easy, right? We can categorize them and write them down and control them. I really felt tonight that God wanted to say, show them how I meet Elijah. Show him, show them how I care for him and how I cared for him. So verse five, all at once, uh, the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. <clears throat> the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So first he sends an angel. But what does this angel do? Does he say, fear not? Does he say, behold, I bring you good tidings? <laughs> no. Does he even say, do you want to talk about it, Elijah? <laughs> no, he doesn't. What's the first thing he, do? He, he does? This angel of God, what does he do for this? poor man. He cooks. I love it. <laughs> All he does, the angel of the Lord, is cook and touch him. And that's it. And he reflects his feelings a little bit, like, dude, you look tired. <laughs> God's created us as whole beings, and he looks at us as such. I love that this is the first thing he addresses since Elijah's quitting and running. He doesn't address that. He sees him, and he sees his whole self, and he knows exactly what to do. He says, before I get there, i got to make sure he's fed, he's taken care of. Sometimes what our souls need most is a walk on the beach. Come on, let's be honest. A quiet corner to read, a good meal, a chance to take a nap. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> So God starts there, but he also realizes that we're relational, and I love this. Sometimes what we need is just a touch. When we're, we're at that place where we've hit our limit, we just need someone to be with us. We need their nearness, and I love that that's exactly what Elijah gets. Sometimes we just need a person that won't fill the space with words and recommendations how to get out of that place, how to get out of that funk, They'll just be with you. They just treat you with respect, with love, with companionship. Now in verse 8, um, it says he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. 
There he went into a cave and spent the night. And now we see Elijah seeking the Lord. But what's interesting here is that what would have taken him barely a week ended up taking him 40 days and 40 nights. And this is no coincidence. We don't know what he was doing while he was traveling. It might have just been the gift and the grace of, of time and space. I love that. No rush to fix everything. No rush. But for the people of that day, the Israelites, they would have picked up on the significance. Centuries before, the Israelites wandered in the same desert for 40 years. After rejecting the word of the Lord from the same mountain, Mount Horeb is actually also known as Mount Sinai, the mount where God is. So when he finally gets there, what does God do next? He listens. In verse 9, he says, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, when God asks a question, just FYI, it's never for his information. <laughs> God's not up that mountain going, Oh, Elijah, I didn't see you there. What are you doing here? Boy, you look like a wreck. <laughs> no, when God asks us a question, it's never to give him information, it's to give us information. He asks the question twice. And for a long time, he just listens. Do you see that? He just lets him go. And Elijah, I love this, he does not hold back. He doesn't flinch. He's like, here it is, all hanging out. Non-filtered version of his side of the story to the Lord God Almighty. I think I might have cleaned it up a bit and been like, so this really horrible thing happened, but I know you're God, and you know, but he doesn't. He doesn't spin it. He doesn't clean it up. He just is before the Lord. He just lets it out. And that tells me something. That tells me about God. The God that I meet with every day is not a God I need to be scared of. It's not a God that I need to be uh, like I said, almost, you know, preparing and, and perfecting what I'm going to say. He just wants me as I am. This is when God finally addresses Elijah's spiritual, spiritual issue, though. The third, third thing he does is he invites him into his presence. He says, you know what you need right now? You need to meet with me. You need to listen to my words. So in verse 11, it says, The Lord said, Go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountain, toward, tore the mountain apart, and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came the fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. So a hurricane, an earthquake, and a fire. And it isn't that they didn't come from God. He just wasn't in it. And it isn't that he doesn't come in those forms, especially in the past. You see it as a, as a, as a form of judgment sometimes. Or that he wouldn't still come in those ways in the future. You know what I think with Elijah, though? His problem all along had been he is he has been putting God in a box, and God just won't be boxed. 
We want him to come in all-consuming fire, in the mighty wind, and in the earth-shattering vision. We think that's the only way he's going to really get through, the only way he's going to get us out of this. It's through our prescribed methods that we subconsciously set expectations as to how he's going to come and what he's going to do. Be still, he says, or you're going to miss it because it's not in the hurricane and it's not in the fire and it's not in the earthquake. I come in a gentle whisper to your heart. Now, there's a story that I'm sure you've heard of. Um, it was actually the Washington Post set up a social experiment uh, a lot, it was like 2007, so it was a while ago. And they asked a Joshua Bell, a world-renowned violinist, one of the best, a prodigy in his own right, to play at Washington, D.C.'s metro station during morning rush hour traffic. They thought maybe, you know, maybe a hundred people would gather of the over a thousand people that would stop, or the, the thousand people that would be going in and out that day. Um, three nights before, he had actually played to a sold-out crowd for $100 a ticket, and today he was dressed in normal clothes, and he put a few bucks in his violin case, and his violin, by the way, was a Stradivarius. He didn't compromise. <laughs> then he played for 43 minutes some of, the, the, some of the world's most renowned masterpieces. Sadly, not even 100 stopped, and actually, only seven people stopped. Over a thousand people walked by him. Only 27 gave money, and most of them on the run, for a total of 32 bucks. Even every child turned to see where the music was coming from, but every one of them was rushed away, scurried away by their parents. What a picture of missing, missing the still, small voice. Timothy Keller says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, it humbles us out of our own self-righteousness, and it fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. God says, don't look at the spectacular. That's not how I always do things. Let me tell you what will actually penetrate people's hearts, my spirit through my word. You can learn a lot about the wonder of God through the fire, the earthquake, the hurricane, but you can't know him personally that way, right? Remember from our game earlier, we had to whisper into everyone's ears? We had to get into each other's spaces, whether they knew them, we knew them or not. And God meets Elijah in this most personal, intimate way in a whisper. And that's his invitation to us today. Will we take a nosedive out of the busyness long enough to come still before him that we might hear and know him more. Lastly, God recommissions Elijah. In verse 15, the Lord says to him, go back the way you came 
And then there's a bunch of names that I horribly pronounce. <laughs> and uh, he shows them at the end, you're not alone. I've reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. The Lord does here is so sweet. He doesn't just leave him in that place. He speaks to him. And what he does is he tells him he still has a purpose. And he sends him off after, his, after the master's business again. And I bet Elijah went back over that road with a very different weight on his shoulders. The weight of calling, no longer despair. And God, when he calls us and when he recommissions us, he doesn't send us off aimlessly into the unknown. Uh, my husband, Adam, is actually a really good teacher, and he is amazing at analogies. And I'm a really visual person, so I love when he comes up with these amazing analogies. I'm like, oh, that's so good. Can I use that? <laughs> so there's one analogy that he's had, and, and I've heard it elsewhere before, um, that our Christian lives are, are not, like most people would say, like a mountaintop, you know, or a mountain cliff where, oh, I'm farther up than you, and oh, she's, oh, she's up there, and oh, well, you know, she's working on it. <laughs> um, it's, the, Christian's li the Christian life is not linear like that, because I think that actually en enables us to just want to compare with one another. And uh, Adam's analogy is, is a compass, and I love that, not just because it's circular and it's not linear, but I love it because Jesus becomes our true north, right? And it's all about if we're facing him. And what a beautiful picture, too, of repentance, because repentance really means doing a 180, right? And I love that, because it's recalibrating ourselves back to God, back to Jesus. And do you know how we can stay that course toward Jesus? We don't have to be worried that we're going to, like, get off the, the track because he's given us a tool. He's given us something that's alive, something that he wants us to pour our time into, which is his word. And his word is what's going to keep us on that track toward Jesus. We don't have to worry. We just find him in the scriptures we hear his voice, and we continue to just follow after him. Uh, for a long time there, um, gosh, it would probably be three years ago, I was in a point in my life where I was coasting. I'll be honest. I was, well, I have a really good heart for Jesus, and I love Jesus, but I was not living it out. And I was kind of like on autopilot, you know, just veering off, not really caring what direction I was headed, because I love Jesus. And I found myself, even two years later, at a place I couldn't recognize. I'm like, where did I, how did this happen? How did I get here? And I look, and I've been walking this path for two years. I'm, I might have been only a degree or two off, right? But give it two years, and you're like 50 miles away from where you should be. Now, I'm not a Boy Scout, but I, I, I get that analogy. And what's so beautiful about the Lord is that I don't have to backtrack. I just get my compass out. I recalibrate. And I'll tell you, like, John Wimber knew. He's like, you know what? We leak. We need the refilling of the Holy Spirit. We need the Lord to come and, and reorient us every day. Every day. 
For us to think, and it was in my own pride, to think that my heart was so good and so pure that I was going to follow Jesus even without the word, without the spirit, without doing anything. I'm sorry, but that's a lie from the enemy. Don't believe it. It takes time. There's always a cost for the good things in life, but it is so worth it. So worth it. Tonight, my hope is that when we walk out of here, we'll be and have a little more lightness in our step. For he says that his burden is easy and light. All he's asking us is to meet him in the stillness, to hear him speak to us through his word and just be with him. That was my coined phrase in college. I had a t-shirt that I made that even said it, just be, because it reoriented me back to the Lord and back to his grace. He wasn't asking for anything. He just wanted me. He just wanted me. And I'll tell you, ladies, I know you've heard this before, but do you know, do you know that every morning when you wake up, you have somebody staring at you? And it's not just your husband, and it's not just your cat. It's the holy of holies. It's your Lord. And he cannot wait for you to wake up every day because he wants to spend time with you. This life gets real boring real fast when I'm the one in control. And yeah, life's crazy, but it still can be boring, you know? I'm just doing the motions, just trying to get through. And yet, God, he wants me to be on an adventure with him. And he wants me to be a part of something bigger than my story and my agenda and my plan. He wants us to be a part of his kingdom And you know, I love um, Dallas Willard's way of talking about the kingdom. He calls it a divine conspiracy. And he talks about whispers. He talks about how Jesus wants to whisper into our ears the plans, not just for us, but of this world, of the kingdom. And that excites me. Um, Ever since I've been coming to this church, God has just increased my desire to see more. (laughs) More of his spirit come. Hmm. I think because I have such a broken heart for the lost, and because I want him to come in mighty power, but I know at the end of the day, it's not going to be the mighty power that convinces my friends that there's a God and that he loves them. It's going to be the still, small voice of God in their heart, convicting them. And I think he uses the earthquake, and he uses the fire, and he uses the the hurricane to get our attention. He gets it to, to reorient us. But when we come for that word and we come for that prayer and, and we, we look for him in, in grand ways, remember, it's usually to, to talk to us in our hearts. It's usually to speak to what's really going on inside. The word of God is like a love letter. And so tonight, um, I don't want to leave you without some to-dos, some, some methods, some ways of, of getting still before God, because I think it's important that we are equipped. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've opened the Word and go, okay, now what? <laughs> what do I do, God? I'm here. <laughs> and, and sometimes that's all He wants. He just wants us to be. But, but the Word is such a living and powerful sword, isn't it? And man, he wants to speak to us there. It's what's going to keep us on the course toward Jesus, right? So I have a, a handout that I'm going to give you. Um, and Pam, 
and maybe you two can just pass these out. Um, it is Lectio Divina, and you might have heard it before, but it's, all it is is a template. I didn't put too much on there because I want it to be kind of geared by you and, and, and also by the Holy Spirit. So it's more of a template as to how to spend time in the Word, but to hear His voice. So it's a couple exercises. Um, what is it again? Is it read, reflect, respond, and rest? Oh, that sounds good to me. <laughs> so they're great. This is just a, a tool, something you can slip in your Bible, take a picture of it, put it in your phone, okay, um, and hold it with you. Like whenever you open the Word, take the chance to not just study the Word, but take the chance to hear it, to hear it as something alive, as something that God wants to do. Um, another tool is uh, a friend of mine actually gave me this recently. She said, the verse, be still and know that I am God, is a really great reflective tool that she uses. She says, um, just state the first, the whole thing, and then keep taking away a word. So say, be still and know that I am God. And then say, be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I. Be still and know be still, and then be, just be. As we enter ministry time, I just want to take some time to just be quiet before the Lord, um, to wait on him and see what he might want to do with tonight. And Pam, um, I'm not sure, are you in the back here? I know she also had a, a word, but let's just wait before the Lord because his still small voice is here and he wants to speak to you tonight. So Father, we come before you and uh, we say we're here. Like Samuel said, speak Lord for your servant is listening. Mm. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We ask you with just a ton of expectancy, but not as to how you're going to come and not as to what you're going to do, but that your transforming presence will be with us. Hmm. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill this place more, more, Lord? Would you quiet our souls to hear from you right now? There were two things that God highlighted to me as I was kind of preparing tonight. One of them is some of us have some expectations to lay down before the Lord. There's some things that we've been holding on to, even subconsciously, that he's kind of bringing to light right now. And there are things that we've been kind of saying, God, why hasn't it been like this? Like this. Because I thought it was going to be like this. And he's asking you tonight, he's asking you to lay it down before him. So if that's you, I'll have you come up in a second. Um, also, a second group of people, uh, the word recommissioned really just resonated tonight. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, wasn't recommissioned in the sense of like being called for the first time. Um, it was more for the more mature ladies in the room. Uh, I really felt the Lord just say, I want to recommission some women tonight that have lost that vision, that have lost 
that renewed calling that need to hear from me again. And then uh, the last one that I had was, as we were worshiping tonight, um, I saw a picture of a, of a yellow canary. Are canaries yellow? <laughs> uh, are they? Okay, good. Okay, just making sure. Um, and I saw it uh, just rest on the heads of ladies here. And it was God's voice in his unique way, in his unique way, and happened to be a bird, how funny is that? Um, but in his unique way, it was just saying, it's not a white dove, but it's a yellow canary, and I'm just speaking over you. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Um, Pam, did you... <clears throat> Mine was simply what I was kind of praying in part of worship, and that was um, when I was reading in Exodus this morning, just the scripture where Moses um, is before the Lord, and, and God says, tell the people, I am that I am. And I just felt like the Lord wanted to say over us tonight that, that he's it. He's the answer. You know, whether you need peace for anxiety, whether you need um, relational reconciliation, whatever you need, like... I am. He's your answer, no matter what. And so I just felt like there were some people here tonight that the Lord simply wanted to speak that over your heart tonight. I am the answer. And so, um, and I know even um, just throughout the summer, you know, even as we've put this series, Be Still and Know, I know in my own life, I've just been dealing with anxiety and fear and just different things that I'm wrestling with. And I'm doing all the stuff that I know I need to do. And yet, I'm having to really wrestle through it. And, and so I just, if that's you, if you've been just dealing with anxiety or fear, um, I would really like to pray for you tonight. So, so um, yeah, let's go ahead and have worship. Um, worship team, go ahead. And, and um, if that's you, if, if it's the expectation that you've been holding, even subconsciously before the Lord, that he wants you to lay down tonight, and if it is that specific, like, recommissioning, um, a renewal of your purpose and of your calling uh, will you come forward tonight for prayer? And again, also um, the canary. If that's something that God's specifically highlighting to you. And, and as people come up and pray, um, women that, that would like to pray, can you just make sure you don't say too much? Because this is between them and the Lord. Um, I really want to make sure we're creating space to hear from him tonight. Um, so feel free. Come on, come on forward. Jamie has a word here oh, too. Oh yeah, go ahead. I saw the Lord's arms in a, um, just a really warm embrace, and I had the sense that there were some ladies here who were feeling really, really lonely, hmm. and he'd like to touch you and, and um, wrap his arms around you and, and bring a refreshing to that. So if that's, if you're feeling hmm. lonely, let us pray for you. Feel free to come on forward. Take my life, I lay it down at the cross where I am found. All I have, I give to you, my God. Take my hands and 
Take my life and lay it down at the cross where I am found. All I have I give to you, my God. Take my hands and make them. I just want to encourage you to receive from your seats. I'm looking out and there's lots of people wiping their eyes and, and that's good. So just, just because you're not up here doesn't mean you're not receiving. Just receive right where you're at. And if somebody next to you is being moved and touched by the Holy Spirit, just put your hand on their shoulder and reach out and bless them and encourage them as we continue to worship. And if you want to, you can stand as they continue to sing.
Can we just stand for just a minute? I kind of all, I saw us all standing, and if you feel comfortable, just kind of hold your hands out in front of you like you're receiving from the Lord. And uh, I'm just even going to ask the worship team to stop for a minute when they're done with this. And I just want us to listen for the still, small voice of the Lord inside your heart tonight. I feel like the Lord just wants to whisper. And it takes getting quiet to hear that. So we're just going to be still for a minute, and then we'll close in prayer. Holy Spirit, I ask for you to speak to our hearts right now. In Jesus' name. If you felt like you didn't hear anything, I don't want you to walk out frustrated because I feel like the Lord just wants you to leave knowing tonight just what Heather was saying before, that he's pleased with us as his daughters. That he loves us and that we can come just as we are before him. We don't have to clean up our act or say anything just the right way. We can come just as we are. So, Daddy, tonight we just close out this time saying thank you that you are a God who speaks. And Lord, I pray that even this week and throughout the next couple of weeks, you would remind us to slow down and to be still and to listen for your voice because you do have things to say to us. And even if it's just to comfort us when we're alone or to reaffirm us when we're scared or to whatever we need, God. You're there, ready to speak and ready to, to come into that situation. But so often we, we just hurry and, and try to fix it ourselves. So, Lord, I pray that this week you'd remind us to slow down and listen for your still, small voice. We thank you for your presence that's here. We thank, I thank you, Lord, for every single woman that's come out tonight. And Jesus, I just ask that you would bless the food that we're about to eat. We thank you for time that we can be together as women in fellowship as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you still need prayer, please feel free to catch someone.